Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your hosts, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for all the things that are horror. We are your hosts. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> it's an eventful one already. Uh, it's You're only. Not it's not even ten o'clock our time yet, but uh, there's a lot going on. Indeed. But we are here today to uh, do our our little bonus episode in Paris in in pair with uh, the Bone Collector. We're going to talk about the the ten best horror movies that are based on uh, true stories. There are lists for days, and this yeah, no- I actually, I'll talk about it later. But I got a book for my birthday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, I'll just kind of list off later what other ones are uh, in the book that we probably didn't cover. Oh yeah, for sure. Because like, and like this one is the is the ten. Um, there was like. 10 15 20 22 27 like 35 and i'm like oh my top 50 and i'm like great so yeah we're gonna we're gonna whittle this down here yeah. but um we'll make sure to post uh we'll credit this in the show notes um when we do this uh, we're going um we're gonna talk about this list here that's on high snobiety uh written a year ago by alec banks so thank you for doing all the heavy lifting there Okay. Um, but we're, we're going to talk about the 10 that are on here and then, um, kind of rip it on a little bit. A lot of these yeah. we've already covered, yeah. but, um, we'll start off with, um, uh, then they're not ranked in any particular order. Um, it could be potentially by year, but I, I didn't pay that much attention, but starting I'm out the list. Out. Yes, we will. Starting out the list is 1979's The Amityville Horror, um, classic still our most listened to episode to date That's crazy. i know right out of all the things that we've covered and talked about like i mean this is a good one don't get me wrong but yeah, yeah it's it's about to hit um i think 300 wow yeah i don't know what <laughs> right um so the story of amityville horror moving into a new house can be satisfying but it's definitely not the case for the lutzes who find their dream home they're moving in everything's good and then it turns out to not be good uh you guys know the story if you don't go back and listen to our episode and pad those numbers a little bit more um the film is based on a book of the same name um that depicts the the true actions of ronald j defeo jr who murdered his entire family in cold blood on november 13th 1974 so they were doing this way back in the 70s like hey this murder happened five years ago let's make a fucking movie about it (laughs) you know what i mean when i saw 74 i went wow that's five years okay that's some that's some turnarounds um much like in the film the lutzes were so put off by what they experienced they moved out of the house after only 28 days leaving in such a hurry they didn't even bother to pack (laughs) they're just like we're done um you think that I would know that at one two something Ocean View something? I'm trying to remember the I address, so. but I don't remember. But it's yeah, um, good old Amityville Horror. It's classic. Yes, it is. And disturbing to think that it's based on a true story. I mean, I know they've 
it's been kind of suggested that they've padded the facts a bit. Yeah, they took, maybe it's not 100% true, but... Yeah, they took some liberties. I mean, yeah. what movie doesn't, but... Yeah. But even the book... Oh, it's yeah. supposed to be the true account. I remember us talking about this when we did the movie. It's like, yeah, yep. but that's it, kind of not so much. Was it, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't lie to me here. Uh, All right. Uh, the next one is Dead Ringers. I've heard of this, but I've never seen it from 1988. Uh, David Cronenberg's film finds Jeremy Irons playing identical twin gynecologist <laughs> Elliot and Beverly Mantle, who run a successful medical practice in Toronto. Although their personalities differ, the Mantle twins use their shared physical traits to pawn female companions onto one another. Wow, I have not seen this movie. Like, as you said, I've heard of it. Um, Might have to add this to the list. I didn't know know Cronenberg did it. Which means it's going to be super gross. Uh, When Beverly (laughs) begins to have a psychotic break, interpreting his female patients as mutant-like creatures. There it is. He charts a course to physically deform them with archaic gynecological tools. After injuring yeah. a patient, the practice faces irreparable harm, and both brothers fall deeper into psychosis. No. What makes this worse is the fact that it's on this episode, because it's based on the true story of Stuart <laughs> and Cyril Marcus, twin gynecologists on staff at New York Hospital Cornell Medical Center, their seemingly perfect lives began unraveling as those around them saw their mental faculties beginning to erode. Although the film takes several creative liberties, I would hope so, uh, <laughs> issues relating to depression, d- drug dependency, a shared sense of self, and a shocking ending for once esteemed medical professionals all come from the Marcus's bizarre lives. Deesh. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to, I'll have to uh, check this out at some point. That does sound interesting. Especially yeah. that last little paragraph right there talking about the actual issues. And you're like, oh, wow. There's oh, a wow. twist. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, number three on our list is Open Water from 2003. I have seen this, but it's been a long time. Same. Same. Um, so, let's see here. Um, open Water is a prominent example that a horror film doesn't have to pit helpless individuals against crazed and masked figures rather often the scariest situations involve being a victim of circumstance truth um what starts out as a sun-filled day scuba diving in the crystal blue waters of the bahamas suddenly turns harrowing when a couple is left behind and forced to reckon with the inevitable uh, inevitabilities of the darkening sky as well as what's lurking beneath them sharks Yep, based on the based on the true story of Tom and Eileen uh, Lonergan, um, who were left behind during a scuba expedition along the Great Barrier Reef, the couple were left adrift for two days before anyone from the fishing vessel knew that they had unaccounted for passengers. You're suing uh, them. Ah, one hundred percent. That that would just be horrible. Like. <sighs> It's one thing to, like, go and try to enjoy a vacation. Like, you, you're going to the Bahamas. You're like, okay, this should be a good time. Yeah. And then the people that you're with leave you behind. And you're yeah. like, fuck you. You know, <laughs> bring about a, to have a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? Getting left behind here. Um, in the middle of the freaking ocean. Right. Um, oh, yeah, 2003. Man, that's 18 years ago. I, 
I don't remember it at all. But they were out in some open water, and it sucked for a long time. <laughs> but two days worth. Yeah, about. <laughs> nice. Uh, the next one has become a new personal favorite of mine. Something there it that is. We're going to be uh, discussing hopefully very soon. Is Conjuring from 2013? Have you watched any of them? Yes. I think the first mm-hmm. one, maybe the second one. Maybe we'll do the Annabelles because I think they're a lot better. I seen the first Annabelle. Well, then you're gonna watch it again, you grumpy ass. I'm not being uh, grumpy. <laughs> hey, just you wait. I, I mean, we're. I'll find something that you don't want to watch. I will you get my. Have. Yeah, I'll do it again. I'll get my revenge. Don't you worry. Yuck. Uh, many people's gripes with horror films is the logic behind the actions of those being tormented. However, that is easily dealt with in The Conjuring, as the film centers on the exploits of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are paranormal researchers, act- actively seek out disturbing settings like the Amityville Horror House, which they, the second film actually opens with them doing a thing at the Amityville House. Yeah. Uh, the Warrens focus is the Perrin family, who knows something is amiss with their new home. While it's certainly a classic setup, the film delivers a number of shocking jolts that will leave you pining for a reprieve from the visual onslaught. So that's a little dramatic. I, I, I yeah, like the way they set like, that it up. It is really good, but let's, let's dial it back a <laughs> it's little. It's a visual onslaught. Whoa. You may not survive till Monday, Monday, Monday. Yeah. they. The, yeah. And it's, it's all like classic setup aside like it, it it's true every time somebody moves into this big ass beautiful you know home that it's like it's too good to be true it's because it's haunted yeah it's, uh, two, it's 2013 or your kid is haunted like in <laughs> insidious and right so you can move again and you're still screwed that, which is that, pretty much the only thing i like about that movie <laughs> insidious yeah which is crazy because you're like i want to talk about it yeah I don't know. Maybe I'm just tired and grumpy. Oh, uh, the scenario in both the Warrens and Perrin families are based on true relationships forged between the paranormal experts and the impacted family. The Warrens themselves have come under criticism from naysayers who charged them with inventing ghost stories, although the Perrin family has backed up their claims as it relates to the Conjuring. Well, of course, they're getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> the Perrin's daughter, Andrea, commented, Both my mother and I would just as soon swallow our tongue than tell a lie. People are free to believe whatever they want to believe, but I know what we experienced. Well, and that was the thing, too, is like, not only just invent, yeah, like, 100%, like, weren't they called out? Like, they were called out for being frauds, but, like, wasn't it kind of like, pro- like, didn't they prove it that, like, this actually didn't happen? Um, I'm trying to remember, like, because the the newest one, the third one, the devil made me do it. Mm-hmm. They actually it talks about them going to court and them oh. having to kind of like back their shit up. And it's, I if I remember right, it ends up spoilers like, it, there wasn't enough evidence to say either way. Oh, uh, okay. Because it's like it's so kind of damning that it's like, well, maybe it could be. I mean, it's pretty fucking weird that's for sure yeah i gotcha um i when i know that we're gonna do these i asked for like two months notice so that i can make it through (laughs) so i can make it through i'll I'll try to watch the entire lineup just so that way i'm prepared i've been doing a lot less of other things and i've been trying to watch more movies and get caught up on stuff than that instead of just sitting at my computer 
doing stuff like, like that. So big old slobbers. <laughs> the next film, and so this is definitely not uh, listed in um, chronological order, is the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, it is a good movie from 2005. So the Exorcism of Emily Rose is an inventive take on what it means to not only experience what demonic possession is like, but also the consequences that stem from an exo- uh, that stem from exhausting every possible means of curing an ailing 19-year-old girl. In this case, when an exorcism goes wrong, it opens up um, it opens up all the moral and legal issues that don't fit into a tiny a tiny courtroom box. Which is what I like about this movie so much is like. Mm-hmm. It covers all of that. Like it's like, hey, this is what's going on here. There's a girl's life on the line, and yeah. you know, you can't do this, but you know, it has to be done. But it doesn't like. And they very is... often kind of point out like she's kind of faking some of it, or <laughs> is she? And it's like, it's yeah. not a, a huckster trying to make a quick buck, saying, "Yep, she's possessed." All right, it's right. like a realist going, "Okay, probably not though." But right. let's see. Uh, like in the cases involving paranormal researchers Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, most people are skeptical when it comes to anything supernatural, obviously. Thus, the task for the lawyer of the condemned priest who botched the exorcism must uh, first prove that demonic possession is real in order to get a to get off, you know, not guilty. So, <clears throat> the film is based on the life and death of Annalise Michael. Michael? Michelle? Michael? Michelle. Michelle, Annalise Michelle, who grew up in post-World War II Germany and began, uh, began, began, began suffering, (laughs) began, (laughs) began, uh, suffering from symptoms that today would be diagnosed as schizophrenia. That's the scary shit, dude, is like Mm -hmm. back in the day when stuff, you know, things have diagnosis now, but back then, like if you're just like, Hey, I'm bipolar. Hey, I have this ale, like, you know, this sort of thing going on. They're like, you're a witch, burn you. <laughs> yeah, or let's let's um let's take a mallet and jab a a, a fucking rod into the front of your head. Like yeah, I'm sure that'll fix it. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, man, so back then, not knowing anything about schizophrenia, apparently, um you're possessed. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, dude, as much as I've said that I wouldn't mind living back in the older days, you know, like living in the wild west, you know, shit like that would yeah. be crazy. Dying um, from a broken ankle sounds pretty shitty. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh man, I fucking broke my arm and yeah. I'm going to die now. <laughs> like, oh, I'm broken. Um, so, however, the uh, her devoutly Catholic family insists, ah, oh, it's always the family. Yeah. It's oh, always yeah. the it's always the parents like, no, she's possessed, I tell you. Like, no, dude, maybe she just She's got some problems. Post World yeah. War 2, a lot of people yeah, issues. yeah, 100%. Um, insisted that it was the devil's handiwork and pressed that their local parish perform an exorcism. Under the direction of Father Arnold Renz, Annalise was severely deprived of food and water and physically abused under the guise that it was actually helped or that he was actually helping her. After she was found dead, her parents, Renz, and another priest, Ernest Alt, were all found guilty and liable for her death. Good for you. Yeah. Get your. I think we talked about this when we did the Exorcist. Probably, yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, the next one's Wolf Creek, another one I've heard of but never seen. This is I've Australian. Seen, I've seen this. One. I've only seen it once, but I, yeah, pretty sure I've seen it. 
Wolf Creek issues any elevated set pieces or unrealistic motivations for the antagonist in favor of an ultra-realistic depiction of a road trip gone wrong. <laughs> Down in uh, hell! <laughs> when three friends find themselves stranded near Wolf Creek National Park in Western Australia, the group is approached by a would-be Good Samaritan who offers to tow them to his nearby house where he has the tools and resources to help them. Of course yeah, he does. Well, on paper, it may seem naive. The circumstances are such that the help is really the only lifeline that the weary travelers can hang on to and would be uh, similar to the couple bobbing in the water, like in open water, to refuse a boat <laughs> driven by a stranger. Right. Uh, what ensues is one of the most violent and disturbing displays of violence in cinematic history. Well, that's intriguing. Causing a rift amongst the film community who saw it as either a misogynistic trash heap, which is nice, or a barrier-breaking <laughs> look at violence without a cartoon lens. As the title card for the film suggests, it is based on true events and is uh, an amalgamation of the murderous exploits of convicted killers Bradley John Murdoch and Ivan Milot, the latter who was nicknamed the Backpack Killer after killing seven travelers along the Langlo State Forest between Sydney and Canberra. Oh. You know, there's something about uh, backpacking through Australia that does not sound appealing to me at all. Um, there's something about going to Australia in general that doesn't sound appealing to me well, at all. Well, see, and that's like, the thing, too, like, with all the animals, the giant yeah. animals. But the funny thing was, is, like... Um, Orozco shared a video with me the other day where it was an Australian talking about America being like, I don't understand how you guys are so afraid to come here when you guys have wolves, you guys have bears, you guys have like you have all these giant things that could at any point decide that they just want to come and kill you and yeah, can. Like, yeah, but they're kind of like in their own world. They're in their <laughs> own world, yes. Uh, it's not like, you know, waking up and seeing a 13 foot snake you know, curled up on your living room like it would be like in Australia. In Australia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen the video of someone walking into the living room and like, here's a spider that takes up the whole wall. Yeah, or the <laughs> yeah, the the I've I've seen one where the spider was so big that it was um going up against the snake outside and I'm just like that is that is scarier than anything that you can put onto in film. Yeah. Um <clears throat> as we've talked about several times already and have in the past the Exorcist from nineteen seventy three remains one of the most highly influential films uh highly influential and important films for generations of filmmakers all time from a variety of uh, different genres who were all impacted by the afflictions of a once sweet girl who slowly morphed into a bile spewing monster um that happens right well perhaps it's because director william uh, friedkin never set out to make a horror film rather his motivations stem from a desire to explore the mystery of faith which created a story that sought greater underlying meaning than other films lumped into the genre well the that's one of the things we talked about when we did the movie is like almost the most disturbing part of the movie is when she's being handled by all the doctors and yes. just tested non-stop and almost being tortured that way more than when she's actually possessed and head spinning Right. Well, and it, it's it's so crazy to think about how far we've come medically. 
Because you go back and watch this, and they're doing all their tests. And then, you know, in the same vein, I was just thinking of with Rocky IV in Russia, where you have Ivan Drago training for the fight, and they have all these computers, and, you mm-hmm. know, so, like, it's like, wow, this is so much. Yeah. Like... Is it all necessary? Now we can do this all on an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just like, to think about, and this is in a small span of time. You think 1973, the 70s, you know, that 50 years ago. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane to think of how just in half a century, you went from having wall-sized computers and machines and all that kind of stuff to like what you said you can you can do everything on an iphone you you know you can control all sorts of shit like that with just a watch it's i remember when i was in high school 20 years ago and having a watch that had a calculator on it was just revolutionary like uh, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you know like oh man it's just it's, it's crazy to think how far we've come um so the film and book in which it's based stems from the real afflictions of Ronald Doe, or Roland Doe, sorry, a pseudonym given to the victim by the Catholic Church in the 40s, who was determined to have been possessed by an evil spirit who was responsible for unexplained occurrences in the Doe's house and physical wounds to both himself and those around him. That makes me think of the movie Stigmata, also another good one. Uh, have you seen that one? I watched that. No, I, I've heard of it, obviously. Yeah. I've never actually watched it. We should we like if we if we go down a path of doing these sort of um, faith inspired horror movies, yeah. that one's really good. The stigmata is where the, you physically experience yeah. the the pains of the of the Christ. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so over thirty exorcism ceremonies took place over the course of several weeks, relying on nine different priests and thirty nine other witnesses who all signed the final um, ecclesi- ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical papers which concluded that Doe had been cured of his possession. Well, that's good. Yeah. And then I think he, like, spent the rest of his life in a church. Yeah, dude, if I went through some shit like that, like, if that really happened to me, I'm going. I'm gone. I'm going to... wall me up in the church. Yep, I'm going to go... TV in a bathroom. I'll be fine. Yeah, they probably wouldn't even give us a TV. Just put me in a robe and send me to the mountains. (laughs) Like, I'll (laughs) live in a monastery out there Mm -hmm. somewhere. Oh man! Uh, the next one is a pot and gore classic. I believe it was my first ever pick. It was. Like it was the first, first ever ep- episode. Yep, it was our episode number one. Yeah, a nightmare on Elm Street. Still a classic, even though most of the sequels suck. Uh, it's a case for all of them, though. Yeah. Uh, it simply wasn't enough for Wes Craven to torment people all around the world with monsters that attack a person while they go about their daily lives, like in The Hills Have Eyes or Swamp Thing. Instead, he conjured up a villain, Freddy Krueger, who would exact his revenge during a period when everyone, regardless of physical power, is at their most vulnerable when they are asleep. Clever. Craven, yeah. It, it's a great idea. That's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fucking clever. Craven drew inspiration from a Cambodian family who fled the killing fields and immigrated to the U.S. However, the son couldn't escape his harrowing past and often had debilitating nightmares. Quote, he told his parents he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would get him, so he tried to stay awake for days at a time, Craven said. Uh, when he finally fell asleep, his parents thought the crisis was over. Then they heard screams in the middle of the night. By the time they got to him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare. Uh, he was a youngster having a vision of horror that everyone older was denying. 
that became the central line of Nightmare on Elm Street. So the thing about Nightmare on Elm Street and like what you're talking about with the sequels, like how Freddy is in part one compared mm-hmm. to the rest of them is it, such a departure if you think about it because it's like in this one like yeah he you know he likes to to toy with you so there's there's an element of you know mischievousness like yeah. no but like to and that's be, that's what we got into when we did the episode it's like in the, the first one yeah he's scary in the sequels he's bugs bunny <laughs> and it's just not as funny Right. Like, or it's not as, as scary and not as good. Uh, the LA Times article, which served as the original source material, noted that 104 men with an average age of 33 had mysteriously died in their sleep. And I believe that with the Cambodian kid, uh, they found a coffee maker under his bed. Yeah. He was like chugging coffee trying to stay awake. That's so, that's so crazy to think about that. <clears throat> I didn't know this one was based on a true story. Okay, so I haven't. Um, this is one of those. This is one of my cardinal sin ones. I've seen the remakes, but I never saw the original. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely need to go back and watch it. Um, so the hills have eyes from 1977. For the thematic premise of a trip gone bad, uh, remains uh, a tried and true setup for a variety of horror films. Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes is no different. A large family is headed from Ohio to Los Angeles when car trouble derails their progress and forces them to deal with another family in the area who has an insatiable hunger for human flesh, as one does in the middle yeah. of Ohio to Los Angeles. Yeah, um, I would too, I think, if I got stuck around there. <laughs> Craven's film uh, was inspired by the story of the Sonny Bean family who had read about, um, who had, he had read about in the New York Public Library. In the 1700s in Scotland, I believe, there was an area that had road running f- through it from Scotland, and people thought it was haunted because people kept disappearing from that road, he had said. The story came out when a couple was attacked by these wild people and one got away. Uh, According to the BBC, the Bean Clan supposedly killed and ate a thousand people over the course of 25 years. Good God. But I mean, think about it. A lot of fridge space. (laughs) Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's horrible. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a... I mean, 25 25 years, a thousand... um, 365 days a year. That's. I mean, that's a lot. It is. It is. And actually, if you think about it, like, like you said, 365. Obviously, you're not going to eat a, a person a day. But no. man, Depending they didn't. Go, family is. They didn't go hungry. No, I mean maybe they had like vegetable day, you know, like that. <laughs> buzzard week. Oh my god. Uh, the last one before we get the truck out of here. I have seen this, I think, but I don't remember it at all. The I've seen it. Uh, I don't 20, remember being a super fan of it. Like, it was yeah. all right. I think I watched it once and went, okay. I mean, it's no Pulse, but, like, yeah. I remember it, was, it wasn't up there on my list of um, paranormal films. Well, this article disagrees because it says The Haunting Connecticut <laughs> is an inventive take on the haunted house horror genre by adding a sick child riddled with cancer into the equation. That's the family needs nice. to make their new home work out of sheer proximity to the hospital. That's interesting. Maybe I need to watch this again. Uh, but of course there are secrets lurking which involve the original purpose of the house as a mortuary, which sucks, and the spirit contained inside of the walls. 
The film is based on the recall of the Snedeker family of Southington, Connecticut from 1986, who hired Ed and Lorraine Warren, who contended that mortuary staff had practiced, I assume that's pra- practiced, necromancy and necrophilia with the corpses. So, you know what's funny is like, all, like how you can take a movie that is fine mm-hmm. and just do a, a, a nice little paragraph right up and you're like, you know what, maybe I should watch this movie again. Maybe if I go into it watching with this different sort of mindset yeah exactly that it, it can it can change and it's 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 true uh, it's like worked. You, it's it's worked before yeah. but like that's what screws me every time i watch history of horror because i go eh, i should watch that again that makes it sound like it's actually not like now i want to watch jennifer's body again which i'm yeah. hating that movie but when they talk about it it's like maybe it wasn't as bad as i thought i don't know yeah i don't think yeah and that's the thing and especially because like that movie's kind of taken off like on a trajectory of like importance and all that kind of stuff too like when when that movie made was made and it came out like nobody like yeah it's fine but now like a lot of people find significance and you know representations and you know stuff like that watching the movie and it's like this movie is obviously a lot more than what we thought it was when it yeah. came out I, I see you got your book opened up you uh, go ahead do. and take it go ahead and take us through but yeah that's the list guys you can find all the informations we'll we'll save the we'll add the link to the show notes so that way you yeah. can go and read the list each each list or each section of the list has a trailer for the movie so if you haven't seen it and you're curious the trailers are there yeah. and maybe while i'm doing this you can look up this book and have a link to that for amazon or just a picture of the cover or something what's it called it's called Behind the Horror, True Stories That Inspired Horror Movies by Dr. Lee Meller. Yeah. Which is L-E-E-M-E-L-L-O-R. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, you can get the paperback for $15. I haven't read any of this yet. I just got it like two, three weeks ago. Well, it's the uh, same thing with the Taking Shape books that we both have, and I haven't read them. <laughs> That's yeah. I started looking through it around October-ish, but I didn't yeah. read the whole thing. Yeah, I looked so through it too. Gonna... I just didn't. I didn't read. Oh, Justin! What did you see? This Universal uh, Mon- Universal Studios Monsters: A Legacy of Horror, the hardback, thirty-eight dollar mm-hmm. book. It's on my uh, Christmas list. <laughs> I bet Anybody it is. Anybody out there want to get me something? That's it. Uh, so I'm not going to go into all of these like full-on detail but i'm going to give you the title and in the contents it kind of says what it's loosely based on Mm -hmm. so m a city searches for a murderer from 1931 is based on the serial killers of weimar germany Uh, rope from 1948 which is about the murder of bobby franks psycho from 1960 and texas chainsaw massacre from 1974 are based on the crimes of ed gein loosely mm-hmm. uh, frenzy from 1972 is based on the crimes of john christie and neville heath and the hammersmith nude murders yeah. uh, jaws from 1975 based on the jersey shore shark attacks the sinking of the uss indianapolis and the life of frank mundus which we covered when we did jaws correct uh, the Town That Dreaded Sundown from 1976. Yep. Which is based on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poltergeist from 1982, which is based on the Seaford Pol- Poltergeist. 
uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow from 1988, which is based on the strange tale of Clervius Narcisse. Ooh. That's a weird name. <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs from 1981, which is based on Ted Bundy, the Green River Killer, Gary Heinick, Ed Camper, Jerry Brutus, Dr. Alfredo Bali Trevino, Andre Chikatilo, and the. Oh, Andre Chikatilo, yeah. Eesh. Yeah. Uh, Scream from 1996, which is based on the murder of Janet Christman and the crimes of the Gainesville Ripper. Ooh. Uh, the Mothman Prophecies from 2002, which is based on the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. That one, and that one. And The Witch from 2015, which is a great movie. And The Lighthouse from 2019, which I still need to watch, which are based on the Salem Witch Trials and the <coughs> Smalls Lighthouse Tragedy. And it also yeah. covers some of the ones we talked about on the show earlier. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, dude, what was it? Um, you had mentioned... The Mothman, um, mm-hmm. and that is actually one of the. So I, I love to buy board games. I I collect uh, horror board games specifically if I'm able to, and um, Universal Monsters Horrified. I had got that, but I've yet to play it with anybody. And when I was about to play it with family, it was so complex that I'm like, we're not, we you know had a, a few beers. It'd I'm take like, this the whole is, evening to just to figure out how to play it. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was at Target Thursday after work. And they had, well, they had horrified the American Monsters edition, which has, you know, Sasquatch and Mothman and all these different ones on there. And yeah, I can't wait to actually be able to play these games with people, but (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, But yeah, dude, by, by looking up that link for the book, it's brought up so many books Insane yeah. amounts of books. I added that there's monsters a, to my wish list, and there's a ton of them out there. I got another one. I don't remember the name of it, but it's like the true story of Halloween. Yeah, what it's the, based off of. I just added the Universal Monsters little golden book, the Funko Pop. Mm. I had I added yeah, that to my card. My wish list too. It's, it's only six bucks. bucks. Like, yeah, I was like, it's so it's so cute. Yeah, pretty much. I'm about to. My problem is I have like an eleven thousand dollar limit credit card on my Amazon, and it's hard not to just buy it, buy it, buy it. That's fair. fuckers. Alrighty, so enough rambling on. We are very thankful that you decided to spend your. Um, 30 about us. 35 minutes of time with us today uh yeah. we re- we really do appreciate you yeah. taking time out to listen to us ramble on about this that and the other um we before we get out of here justin where what random direction not so random because it is christmas yes. but what different direction are you taking us for your christmas episode well, Brandon, it's funny you should say that because I'm about to say that. Oh, yeah, um, well, I'm trying to tee you up, dickhead. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to give you a hard time because that's what I do. Here's yeah. the thing. This is a kid-friendly <laughs> movie, which is going to lead into our bonus. Um, but it is Christmas time, and to me, this is the classic ghost story. Uh, there have been dozens of iterations of this, which we might touch upon in the show if I feel like it, but we'll see. But the one that I picked for us to focus on mainly was A Christmas Carol, the animated one starring Jim Carrey. Which sounds strange, especially because it's Disney, but there are truly dark parts of that movie. Yeah, I saw it on Disney Plus last night when we were decorating our tree and a little bit late because we've just been busy. And I'm like, man, what movie should we watch? And we ended up watching The Santa Claus, which is one I watch every year 
But you, the before the most disturbing thing about that movie is I am the same age as Tim Allen in that movie. Yeah, sad. Yeah, he's like he's like I'm 38 years old. I'm like fuck. My <laughs> wife, I look over at my wife and she's just looking at me with this grin on her face. I'm like, hey, you're right behind me. But um, yeah, I saw it, it is on Disney Plus, and I was gonna watch yes. it, but I'm like, I don't know when we're gonna record, so I'm gonna make sure to do it closer to that. Yeah. Um, it is a great one. I love a Christmas Carol. I watch like four or five different versions of it every Christmas because I love just the story of it mm-hmm. and how it's interpreted in so many different ways. Right. Um, but this one, it, like I said, it has some truly dark moments. The ghost of Christmas present, you know, has these kind of ghoulish creatures under his robe toward the end. <laughs> Not trying to spoil, but it, and it's from the book. Yeah. You know, it's a, and it's, to me, it's one of the most faithful adaptations okay. from the source material. So I do look forward to, watch. to watching it because I haven't seen this one. Like no. Christmas Carol. Yeah. I mean, it's a staple. Um, and like you said, there's a, a million different iterations of how it's done. I haven't seen mm-hmm. every single one, no. but, um, even I haven't, and I've tried. Right. Um, so I look forward to doing that. Um, we don't normally cover news on this show. Um, but looking at this little universal monster book here, um, I want your thoughts on the recent casting with, Nicolas Cage as Dracula in the film that's upcoming called Renfield, which is nice that they're going to keep doing these yeah. these movies. So I'm curious what direction it's going to go because obviously we had um, Luke Evans as Dracula and Dracula Untold when it was supposed mm-hmm. to kind of be that reboot yeah. in that time. But like, I'm curious to see if they're going to be like, let's start with this, and then we, you know, because Invisible Man was a modern. Yeah. spin on that but like and it was amazing it was yeah uh, yeah it was all right but like <laughs> with i'm just cal- calm down I'm just kidding with these i wonder if they'll be like, hey you know if we're gonna remake these movies obviously we're doing dracula like that there's nothing modern about that you know you can't just or make it is you- there can you give him an ipad and i don't then have him break out of a magneto style prison cell I was gonna. Some other stuff I was did. just gonna say. I mean, unless it's <laughs> fucking Morbius, which I hadn't watched the trailer until the other day when I saw um, Eternals. I was. I wasn't gonna watch the trailer. I'm like, I'm gonna see it anyway. But I'm like, but the same thing with these monsters. It's like they're monsters that you don't have to have a modern spin on it. So I'm wondering if they try to reboot the this universe for like the third time fourth time whatever it is just make individual movies you can't figure it out well i was (laughs) lampooning the bbc dracula netflix thing oh morbius is morbius is oh oh well but i mean he was in a magneto style cage there a little bit from you know with all the bats and shit like that morbius is a modern story anyway and he's not really dracula he's no get into it but anyway i i have a hard time thinking of dracula in modern times and that bbc show proved me right yeah, it's. Well, I'd say. Yeah, it's so hard. So I hope they don't <clears throat> go modern. N- Nicholas Cage's Dracula makes me think of. Um, I was just talking about him the other day. Who's the other guy that played Dracula? And he was Christopher Lee. Ooh. It makes like he obviously Nicholas Cage is nowhere near as good an actor as Christopher Lee that kind of goes without saying but he has yeah. a similar look that kind of lengthy long face yeah you know as opposed to a Lugosi that's more squat and 
round-headed. Pump, pumpkin, pumpkin-headed, yeah. But see, yeah. the thing with that is, too, is like Nicolas Cage has kind of been um, enjoying this status that he's at right now to where he's done all these indie horror films like he like the he just did a movie called pig like it looks really odd but like i've heard nothing but fucking awesome things about this movie and i i'm obviously behind on these i I really do want to go back and watch mandy color of space willie's wonderland like all these different movies i've heard that they're all great and so the problem with Nicolas Cage being Dracula is it's just going to be Nicolas Cage in a Dracula costume. I'm wondering how he's going to play it. Is he going to be face off over the top? You know, like just. And that's the thing. It's my thing with Nicolas Cage is always when he's good, he's great. And when he doesn't (laughs) care, he's terrible. So if he actually gives a shit and puts in the work. I feel like he will for this, though. It just seems like. It's good. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic until I get more information. As soon as they say set in modern times, I'm done. Well, yeah, but I mean, I yeah, so it, with it also being called Renfield, yeah. I feel like it's going to be leaning more towards that, and Dracula yeah. will be a byproduct of it, obviously. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, we'll see how that goes when we get there. But um, yeah, cautiously optimistic. Fingers crossed. I just, I know we both just want the, this universe to happen again and, yeah. and and be right. Just do mm-hmm. it like. Just set it in the times, man. Like you go back, they they make all these movies that you can make period pieces. Like you like make mm-hmm. these movies about World War Two. You can make these movies about this. Like you can give That's us. That's what a, makes it creepy. Yes, give us. If the, everybody has an iPhone, it's like, well, this isn't really scary. You exactly. Can Google it and say this is horse shit. Okay, yep. I'm gonna have yep. a burrito now. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Take out take out the technology, old school. Yeah. Like being stranded in a castle in the middle of nowhere with some psycho who's going to drink your blood mm-hmm. and make you his slave, basically, yeah. is frightening. Yeah, I can't wait. Do it dark. All right. So we're going to get out of here, guys. We, Like I said, um, you know, 70 minutes ago when we were going to get out of here the first time, uh, we want to thank you for hanging out with us today. We appreciate it um, more than you guys know. Um, We will be back in a week when we talk about a Christmas carol. We're going to kick off the holiday season. Uh, I'm in the spirit, man. I got my Charlie Brown Christmas tree on my desk uh, at work. I've been playing instrumental Christmas music, just trying to get that holiday spirit up. Um, Yeah, we started decorating last night and this morning. Just put up the tree, and we're going to decorate it later. So, yep, I we just we had the tree up, but I decorated. We decorated it last night. Um, Yeah, so we'll we'll reconvene in a week when we talk about. Uh, a Christmas Carol, which will be on Disney Plus. Yes. Um, the one starring Jim Carrey. Yes. The animated one. Yep. Um, you can find us on all the social medias. We are on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. We are have a page and a group. Um, very active on both. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore Pod. Um, you can find us on the Slasher app at Pod and Gore Podcast. You can email us at Pod and Gore at Gmail dot com. Uh, P-O-D-A-N-D-G-O-R-E. Not the and sign, but the word. Um, there's no shortages shortages of ways to get a hold of us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, ideas. I mean, this round of episodes that I picked were a listener suggestion. So all yep. you got to do is let us know. Um, 
and we'll fit it in. yeah we'll fit it in like we we do this show because it's a it's a hobby it is a passion that we have but at the same time if nobody listened there would be no re- need to record we just sit here yeah. on zoom and talk about it like yeah It'd be like a book club for horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Which is not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, all that stuff. Um, make sure that you uh, like, rate, review, share with a friend, share with a stranger. Yeah. Let, like you know, I, people on the street. Pot yeah. door. Yeah. I, had a, a, mm. I was watching a buddy's Switch stream the other day, and he's like, hey, man, um, I no shit you guys your podcast was number three on my spotify's uh top listen to for the year and so i'm like and he had just started listening to it recently like within the last few months and so shout out to hatrick swayze for that i appreciate the the kind words yeah and that's the thing man like through that little avenue like I, i know a few people have started listening to that and so very thankful for word of mouth is huge it mm-hmm. likes are free and grow yeah likes are free we don't ask for money any money that does come in goes right back into production so okay. you know this isn't a job yet but um anyways we're gonna get out of here we'll see you guys okay. in a week when we talk about jim carrey's animated a christmas carol until then we've been your hosts my name is brandon my name is justin you guys have a good day bye bye